I'm a covenant Living in the riches of my Lord and King, I'm a covenant man. Committed to Him in everything I do. Hello, my name is Ryan Weeder, and um, today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, lukewarm Christians. Um, a little while ago at school, a little while ago at school, uh, one of our instructors was talking about the denomination he was raised in. Um, whenever they would read Revelation uh, 2 and 3, the one talking about the seven churches and the seven angels, they were always, it was always told to him, explaining that it was the, the, the seven different stages of the church. You know, the, the first church was, was passionate for Jesus, passionate for God, and they would put all, everybody that came to them to the test, and they would cast out uh, liars and false prophets. Um, which was very indicative of the first church, uh, like the early days of the church. Um, the second church was one of was one of um, compromise, and um, that would, that corresponds to the time that um, Emperor Constantine uh, in the Roman Empire declared Christianity the national religion of Rome. And there was a there was an interview with uh, the Roman. Roman Cardinal, I believe, is, was his title, who eventually became the Pope. And they asked, how do you think this changes the church? And he said, well, we're no longer like Peter, who says, gold and silver have we not, but we're also not like Peter, who said, stand up and walk. And it was a, it was a period of compromise for the church. And, and he, he went through the different examples and explained the correlation. And he got to the final and the seventh church, which was the lukewarm church, that God spewed out because they were neither hot nor cold. And he was saying, and he was saying, you know, I, th I think that's kind of where the analogy falls apart because I'm not lukewarm. And I know you guys aren't lukewarm. And <laughs> I thought it was funny because I was thinking you're not exactly indicative of the church as a whole because he's, he's an instructor at a Bible college. He, I don't think he's exactly the, the representative as, as, of the church as a whole. And I, I haven't looked into it enough to tell whether or not it's it's an accurate interpretation or or if this is definitely true, but it did get me thinking that you know what the the church as a whole right now is pretty lukewarm, you know they're not really on fire for Jesus, and you know there there we don't have masses leaving the church denouncing Christianity, but we're just kind of lukewarm. As a whole, not not individual, not on an individual to individual basis, but as a whole, we're kind of lukewarm. And and the the verse that really stuck out to me was Revelation three sixteen, which says, "So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth." And when I read that, it just hit me. It just it like hit me in the chest. I go, "Oh my gosh." And, you know, I had heard the verse before. I'm pretty sure a lot of children growing up heard that verse and that, you know, you need to be on fire for Jesus. God would rather you just not be a Christian than be just a lukewarm uh, type Christian. <laughs> and I looked into the Strong's, I looked in the Strong's uh, dictionary and that word lukewarm there can also be translated as tepid meaning lacking enthusiasm. 
And it's pretty, it's, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty, it's pretty accurate for Christians today. They just lack enthusiasm for Jesus. They kind of drag their feet on into church, sit down, watch the preacher, hope he ends by noon so they can get home and watch the ball game. You know, there's, there's not an enthusiasm for Jesus anymore. It's, you just see so many like zombie Christians, if you will. They kind of shuffle along. You know, they, they say the right things. Jesus, love you. I love you, God. But there's no actual enthusiasm in it. And, and God showed me. I, I had started reading through the book of Jeremiah. Because I was, I was curious, you know. And God, and, and I, was, I was thinking about this lukewarm Christians thing as I was reading through Jeremiah. And God showed me this, this verse in uh, Jeremiah 7, 9 through 10 in the Amplified. It says, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and go after other gods that you, that you have not known, and then dare to come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, by the discharge of this religious formality, we are set free only to go on with this wickedness and these abominations. It's, it's pretty harsh. It's a pretty harsh accusation from God. But it was accurate for then, and it's looking very accurate for these days as well. It, because other gods, that doesn't mean you're going out and you're worshipping, you know, Zeus and Odin and Baal. You're not worshipping these other gods as we know them. These, um, but people put other things in the place of God. You know, other people, they, they'll watch TV when they know they should be reading their Bible. I've done that. I'm still working on that personally because I'm not quite where I want to be. But that's, that's the thing that a lot of Christians do, you know. The, the, for instance, the ball game. You know, they'll be in church looking at the scores of the games, go, oh, oh, look, my team's winning. You know, they'll, they just put these other things in front of God, worshiping these things. And these are the idols that we're worshiping nowadays as a, as a society, it's, 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 this is the definition of a lukewarm Christian. You know, you go to church, you say, God set us free, but then you turn right around and you start worshiping these other things. You start watching TV too much. You start putting it ahead of God. You start, you start caring about your, your fantasy league more than you care about going to church and learning about God and loving and worshiping on God. And it's, it's, it, it, it's really sad to see for us, imagine what it must look like and feel like for God. Because these are his children. His own children are saying, God, we love you. We love you, we do. And then they'll turn right around and they'll ignore him for six days out of the week. As if, if you're a father, if you're a parent of any kind, how, how would that make you feel if your kid just completely ignored you, act like you just didn't exist for six days, and then that seventh day, they give you half the day, and then the other half, they just go back to doing whatever they were doing. I mean, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good thing. I mean, it, it's, it's just not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else to put it. And... Throughout Jeremiah, you can see that God spewed out the Israelites just like he's spewing out the lukewarm Christians in Revelation. 
this is what he is is what he's doing those he like he says he would rather you be hot or cold but lukewarm he'll spew you out and it's what he did to Israel and then I want to kind of change tone here I want to I want to I want to look at I want to look at the the 12 disciples I want to look at the early church and the persecution that they faced and how on fire they were for God because when you think about it that early church they were hardcore <laughs> they were hardcore they faced martyrdom they faced persecution just straight up murder this is what they dealt with and yet they didn't lose faith they were still on fire for Jesus they spread the word i mean look at paul paul was stoned thrown in prison he was attacked like the moment he walked into towns and yet he he spread the word of Jesus more than more than the average Christian nowadays and back then. He was just he was he was the rock star of Jesus, you know, going around doing tours. But but he was he was devoted. He was on fire for Jesus and he was hardcore. He was hardcore. And even after all of that, he still spread the word of Jesus. He he's on fire. He is the exact opposite of a lukewarm Christian. And if you look at the twelve disciples, all of them, except for John, were martyred. And you know there are different there are different traditions based on tradition, written accounts. Um, and in some cases, almost hearsay, all of them, with the exception of John, were martyred. I mean, of course, we know Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be uh, killed the same way as Jesus. Um, but as you, as you go down the line, just all of them, Thomas, um, according to tradition, I do preface that, according to tradition, um, he went, he went and started ministering to um, the East and um, supposedly all the way to India before he was uh, ran through with spears. And, you know, it's just all of these different things. And even if they're not true, it definitely serves the point and makes clear just how common and frequent this persecution and murdering of early age Christians were. Because... I mean, we you kind of you kind of understand that early age Christians were persecuted and murdered and martyred, but when you hear, when you when you look and even look at just the traditions and in some cases, as I said, kind of hearsay, it really does make clear that they were killed, they were murdered, they were persecuted, and it, and it really puts into perspective the the difference, the changing of times. And how even with the even with the minimal persecution that we experience nowadays, that you know it's it's just too much for some Christians. You know, there's like, eh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to say I'm a Christian, you know, because like you know I, I'll just I'll get heckled, I'll get I'll get I'll get a talking to, you know, they'll try, they'll try to argue with me, and I don't want to argue. And you know, it's just it's just not it's just not acceptable. And um, I I. I I googled what the early age persecution looked like. And Roman citizens, natural born Roman citizens, they were given the merciful execution of beheading. 
And while it is more merciful comparatively to other Christians, it's still kind of brutal. <laughs> you know, it's just... Beheading is made to be a merciful form of execution, but before the guillotine, which was another advancement in humane execution, it, it, would, it would not always... Your head wouldn't always come off with the first swing of the sword or the axe. You know, it, um, there are reported cases of it taking three or four swings to successfully decapitate a person. So you're sitting there in that excruciating pain and knowing someone's trying to chop your head off and you can't do anything about it. You're getting your head chopped off one way or another and you just got to sit through it. And that's, that's not exactly a pleasant time. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> And there are, there are reported cases of, you know, people having their head chopped off and the, the head mouthing out words and, and trying to speak. And you can take that as, you know, it's just some dying muscle twitching. But you can also look at that as it is a very solid possibility that you remain conscious for the next few seconds after your head is severed from your body. And that's not a pleasant experience. That is very painful. If you weren't a Roman-born citizen, well... You got, you got put into Colosseum games. You got fed to lions and bears with no way to protect yourself for the spectate, spectation, for the, for the pleasure of onlookers. People would come to the Colosseum and they would watch Christians be fed helplessly to these lions. And these lions, they were starved. They were starved days beforehand, so when they came out, they'd be extra brutal. They'd start eating Christians while they were still alive and screaming because they were just that hungry. And it's, I mean, it's, it really is ruthless and brutal. Crucifixion. Crucifixion is, that classified as one of the most painful ways to die. You were nailed to a cross, and then you were left to the elements, to thirst, hunger, and exhaustion. And while you're hanging there, while you're hanging there, your joints, your joints slowly dislocate one by one because you're just hanging by nails in your wrists and your feet. And this is what early age Christians had to, had to deal with. And they did, and they did not, they did not forsake Jesus. And nowadays there are so many Christians that are scared to say that they're Christians simply because somebody might want to argue with them. Somebody doesn't believe the same thing as them. Somebody somebody will, will say something bad about them. You know, it might hurt their reputation. They're like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a cool guy. I'm liked here. I don't want them knowing I'm a Christian. When in reality, it's a wonderful time to spread the word. And there's the one last thing I want to leave you with today is, it's not a bad thing to be a Christian. There, there are certain, there are certain, there are certain people out there that give us a bad name, but we're in one of the best times to be a Christian. We really are. The persecutions just talk. We're not being arrested. We're not being killed. At least here in America, there are other places around the world, and, but I'm, I'm talking about here in America. This is one of the best times to be a Christian. All the persecutions just talk, and we have so many ways to get the word out there. Just recording a video, for instance. 
I mean, the world is interconnected. You can fly and travel to just about any country you want with minimal effort compared to back then. And it is a wonderful time. And I think it's, I think all of this put, really puts it into perspective in that we really, I mean, when you think you're on fire for God by going to church on Wednesday instead of just Sunday, there's really not much. It really isn't. So I encourage you to stir yourself up and get yourself on fire for God, on fire for Jesus, and get out there. You know, don't be ashamed of your beliefs, of your faith. Don't be ashamed of God and Jesus. Go out there, get yourself on fire for God, and don't be afraid of persecution, because it's going to come, but it's nothing compared to God and Jesus. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Thank you for listening.